Electricians, they earn £156,000 a year. That's the title that caught my eye. That's six times more than the average wage. And that's more than the Prime Minister, who earns 150 k a year. And I can confidently say that, yeah, I'm not earning 150 grand a year. So this is why I wanted to look into it. So I dived in to take a look to see if I'm doing something wrong. I should be charging five times what I charge already. And to be honest with you, how the hell could I get away with charging five times more than what I actually do already? I thought there must be a catch along the line somewhere. But what is it? Toolbox Talks for Electricians, helping electricians reduce stress, gain back time, and earn more money. Hello, and welcome back to Toolbox Talks for Electricians. I am your host, Ben Poulter, and this podcast was inspired by a national newspaper in the UK. Like, I don't always believe everything I read in the papers, but they must do some sort of research to find out why they print and what they're on about the stories. They must have to find some research in the stories that they print. So where they found this information, I was interested to know. Because like I said, I saw a title that said electricians earn £156,000 a year. Well, that's going to catch anyone's eye, especially an electrician thinking, hang about, I don't earn £156,000 a year. But how can I, if electricians are earning £156,000 a year, well, yeah, I want a piece of that pie. And it goes on to say that electricians, yep, they're earning £3,000 a week. Well, yeah, if you times that by 52, it is £156,000 a year. But if you're earning three grand a week, do you actually want to work every week, even if there's no holidays? Like, there's normally like a bank holiday here and there, and you're not probably working seven days a week. Or every week, do you have to have a holiday? Especially if you're earning that sort of money, you're going to treat yourself to a holiday every now and again. Maybe two. And the reasons they say that electricians are earning this sort of money is because they're in short supply. I've heard this over the time. They say that a lot of youngsters, they don't want to go into an apprenticeship. They don't want to learn a trade. They want to be YouTubers, which, yep, I don't blame them. They can. You can earn good money from YouTube as well. But I always think of having a trade below you, behind your belt in a way, is a bit of a backup plan. If you train to be an electrician, you train to be a carpenter, you train to be a plumber, there's going to be always something you can earn money with. You can earn money by being employed even or being self-employed. There's always a bit of a backup. Even if you're a hairdresser, you've always got a trade behind you. That's something that my dad told me. Get a trade behind you and you'll always have work. And he weren't wrong. And I think that there's a few contributing factors to why electricians can charge this much. And possibly it's because of the cowboy builders. I suppose we've got to thank them in a way. They've gone out there. They've done a rubbish job. And they've made the building company or the main contractors realize that Yeah, if we employ someone that's cheap, it's never good. Grenfell Tower, for an example. There has been a massive investigation to see why that that tower went up in flames. And yet, and why it, it started to burn so much and why it burned so rapidly. Well, it's because of main contractors cutting corners. And this is exactly what happened with that with that scenario. They cut corners, they put cheaper a cheaper solution to the cladding or I'm not 100% what happened with Grenfell Tower, but it was obviously a cheaper solution that wasn't up to the job. So when 
the event, if, if something bad eventually happens, like a fire, it just went up in flames. And in this scenario, main contractors, they don't really realise this until it's too late. Because at the time, yep, they're getting a job done nice and cheap, and yep, that's, that's their budget. And if they can save 10 grand on their budget, they'll save 10 grand because it'll go back in the maybe the project manager's pocket or go back into the, the fund of the, the project that they're building. And they'll look good for their boss that they've saved 10 grand because they've employed some cowboy builder. But it is the same all over the world. The main contractor will get the contract to do the project. They'll tender it out to other businesses, businesses like electrical, plumbing, um, carpentry, all of them. And then they'll just go for the cheapest. When they get their quotes in, they'll say, right, would you like to tender for this job? It's, I've done it before myself. I've done it for a main contractor to build in houses. And they said, right, can you quote to rewire these houses? Yeah, not a problem. And you can give them a quote, but they won't look at your your background, your background of your work. They won't look at like maybe you're registered with a governing body. They'll just look at that bottom figure. And if that bottom figure is higher than the next quote, you're out the water. This is the thing. They, they look at the numbers. The number is what matters to a lot of big companies because they want to save money. It's the people that sit behind a desk and they say, right, yep, go ahead, get that contract to do it. They don't necessarily look at the reputation of the company, the, the previous work they've done. They look at, obviously, the figure of what they can get it done for, and then they look better for their boss. You must have seen all the new bills going up over here in the UK. And then once they're completed, someone else is employed to come along just to sign them off, just to snag them, maybe by the main contractor, which it's been passed buck the buck down. The main contractor will give someone else, the building contractor, a contract to get it all done. But then the main contractor will, will employ someone to go around snagging, to say, right, just check this that they're in a, a good condition for us to carry on, to even to be able to sell to the public. And there's videos everywhere. They're a complete mess. And it's not just the electrical work. It's the plumbing, the brickwork even, the carpentry. Everything's done to a really bad standard. It's all done to a standard I, I see on these videos that, it, yeah, it, it works. It's on the wall and it works. It's maybe not tested. It won't last. And they don't really care about safety, especially with some of these carpentry, with the banisters. They just come off the wall. And what if someone moves into their house, tries to go upstairs, and our elderly person pulls on the banister, it comes down. Someone that there's a big thing in the UK where there's blame, there's a claim. So someone's going to get sued along the line. And I'm assuming they do. So these projects that they have going up with these new houses, they're a complete wreck. And with these large contractors, they normally... They normally use subcontractors. They think, right, we haven't got to keep these people employed, so we're going to use subbies. And this is why that money is so good for subbing, because you can pick and choose. Like I've done it before where you're subbing, you're working on a site, you're getting £25 an hour. A few of the subbies leave, they go to another site, they say you're going to get 27 over here, so they just leave. So a lot of the time, on site, on big sites even, subbies are only there for a few weeks a lot of the time. They just crack on, get their money, and they go. And they've got no interest or... No passion involved in the job. They're not interested in doing a good job because they know they're going to be gone in a few weeks. Don't feel like the sub is, they do. They don't need to take much pride in their work. Sometimes they're in there to get in and out and get paid. But of course, again, this is a minority. Not every site's like that. I've got friends that have worked on sites from the beginning all the way to the end. And yet they will tell you that sub is come and go every week. But 
some people they do stay on site to the end and they take pride in the work and they want to do a good job but that one person or the two people that do a good job they can't keep their eye on everybody at the same time especially if there's a gang of electricians the electricians will come along they'll do the first fix the plumbers are straight behind them they're doing their first fix but then the boarders they're sitting outside in the van waiting to put the boards on so there's no chance for maybe a project manager or somebody to come along and check Right, can we just check to make sure that's all right? Because obviously they've employed these electricians. They should be doing a good job. But these people have been employed to do the first fix. There's just Frank cables in everywhere. If it doesn't work, it doesn't matter because they're probably not going to be there for second fix. I feel on site that it's always a bit of a race against time. You've always got the pressure of the, the project manager saying, right, get done, get done, get out of there, get your bits done. The electrician's done right now. The plaster is in, the plumber's in, the painters are in. Get it done, get it sold. It's sort of a bit of a rush, rush scenario. And this is what happens. It's all done so fast that one person makes a mistake and they leave it and they didn't get back to, to fixing it for later on. Another person will make a mistake because of that mistake that maybe the electrician's done. Maybe they've route the cables the wrong way and the plumber's pulled it out to put his pipes in. So they've left it because the electrician's not gone back to put it right. It's all these little mistakes. They add up and they end up being a complete mess. But this is where the good qualified electricians come into it. Maybe independent, smaller companies like myself, they get asked to, right, you're qualified, right? Yeah, can you do a test on this property? Not a problem. And it's more than likely because they've found a fault. They've, they've been to one of the houses and they find out that, hang about, nothing works. The two-way switching doesn't work. The um, interlinked smoke alarms, they don't work. And these are the things that have got to, well, they've got to work. Everything's got to work. It's a brand new house. It should work perfectly but they don't. So they get someone to come along like myself, that's probably reputable and qualified to say, right, test this house, will you? Tell me exactly what's wrong so we can get it fixed. Or even sometimes the main contractor, he's employed somebody that's maybe not qualified, maybe not qualified in this country even, but they've got the labor or the cheaper labor because someone said, yep, I can first fix that house for 700 quid. And they do. They go in there, they first fix it for 700 quid. Some of them, they do a fantastic job. That looks like it. You don't turn it on. You don't test it. So you don't know if the cables are where that they're going. The cables are into a socket. If you're not an electrician, you don't know whether the cables are right or wrong. It doesn't matter to maybe a builder. He looks at it and says, yep, there's cables in. It's bored. It's done. And he's, the electrician guy said it's done. But that electrician guy's got in his van, gone on to the next site. So no one cares. So a lot of the time, main contractors as well, they will get an ind independent company to come in, someone that is part P registered, someone that can sign it off, someone that is qualified. And that's where electricians can charge a fortune. Because if you're a registered electrician, yep, you can sign it off, you can put your name to it. But remember, it'll always come back on you if there's something wrong. So a decent electrician will say, yep, I can test it, but I need to rip that to bits. I need to take it apart by fine detail i need to know where the cables go i want to check up under the floorboards and if i'm going to put my name to this installation i'm going to make sure it's tipped up after all the only reason that electrician has been called in a qualified electrician to sign that install off is for insurance purposes you can guarantee that you're in there because the building regulations they need the part p they need that to be signed off because obviously they can't sell the house so you're there to sign it off but then if somebody moves in and that house ca catches fire or anything goes wrong, they've also got someone to blame. 
someone that's registered, someone that's reputable, someone that's maybe got insurance as well. So they're basically looking for a bit of a scapegoat. I think they've got the cheap labor to come in there and wire it and get the job done. However good it is, might put 75 junction boxes in the in the ceiling void to do all these downlights. But he's done a cheap, rubbish job. And then to get the electrician to go in there, the qualified electrician to go in there, test it, put his name to it, use his insurance and his registration to sign it off. So you can see why electricians are charging a good amount. Because still, the other electricians that maybe have wired it, they might have got 1,400 quid for 700 first fix and 700 second fix. But really, that job should have cost around, I don't know, five grand sometimes. So this is where an electrician that tests, they might be there for a couple of days, sometimes even there for a week if they find faults and things wrong. But they're still going to charge a good amount of money to put that right to be able to sign it off. Because if you think, if anything does happen, they're not going to be chasing the guy that maybe did the first fix. They're not going to be chasing the guy that did the second fix. They're going to be chasing the guys whose name's on that certificate the names who signed it, the company who signed it off, who is responsible to say, yep, that installation is safe. And that's exactly why big contractors are employing these electricians like qualified like myself to go in there and do. They're saying, right, you need to sign off because I need this building to be sold, basically. So that is why I think that's why electricians are earning so much money because they're charging a good amount to do it. And the thing is, there'll always be electricians that will undercut you. And the customer won't find out why they're so cheap until later on down the line, either when the job started or completed. But this this scenario happened to myself. There were two houses being privately built, and I was asked to quote for the electrics. I thought, yep, not a problem. It was all underfloor heating, and it was basically a fresh new build. So, yep, I put in a quote for both the houses, thinking it'd be fantastic because they were semi-detached. So side-by-side, you do them straight, both together. It would have been a lovely job. But they got in contact with me and said, Ben, look, we've had a quote that's sort of a grand cheaper. And I thought I'd put a competitive quote in what I'd be happy to do it for, for a qualified electrician to do it for. But someone come in a grand less. I said, look, if someone's coming a grand less, get it done by them because it's not worth my while doing it. If, you, if I'm going to get paid a grand less for doing that rewire, there's someone down the road that will be happy to pay me what I charge to do this. And I was busy at the time, so there was no point. But they got them guys to get in there to rewire the house. And to be honest, they didn't do a bad job. But there was just these little things that didn't work properly. And obviously, they wanted them to work. So who did they call? They called me. They said, Ben, can you dip in there and just sort these little things out? And I just thought, why, why did you not call the main contractors? Why did you not call the guys that actually did the job back? But... There were friends of mine, and I went in there and sorted the switching out and the little bits and bobs, just the fine-tuning to get it all working properly. I think as a qualified electrician, yes, you do earn good money, but £156,000 a year, I think that's a bit far-fetched. I think they've picked that out the wind. They've obviously got the thing saying three grand a week, which someone said they earned once, and they've just timed it by 52. It's, it's not the norm. Maybe someone, some people are. If they are, I'd like to know where, and I'd go down there and do exactly the same. I'm assuming it's London area. But being a qualified electrician and charging the right amount for the skills that you've learned over time, yeah, you can earn good money as an electrician. Because the skills that you've learned as an electrician over time and the registration that you pay yearly 
to be qualified electrician to be able to sign these these installs off you if you're going to get asked to come along and test a property to say yeah can you just test this property put your name to it so i can use your insurance if it goes wrong then you're going to make sure 110 percent that that is tip top and you're going to sign it off and that's going to take you time to dive into it to check every socket to check every light fitting to check every switch just to make sure that everything is perfect if you're going to put your name to it and that unfortunately for you contractors will cost a lot of money and there's always a cheaper option whichever scenario you go down there's a cheaper option for electricians plumbers and even if people like to have the cheaper option for maybe their chargers the charges for electric scooters charges for their phones they go on amazon and they assume that it is safe and it's up to British standards. So they plug it in the house and it's not until they catch fire or the house goes up in flames because they've maybe got the old wireless board that's not ICD protected or AFDD. It's maybe not protected good enough in that property to trip that fuse off because you've plugged in a faulty appliance, the faulty drivers, the faulty transformers. Because all these LED and smart lighting these days, they do. They do have drivers and transformers and they have little boxes that obviously get hot. So if they are rubbishly made and bought cheap off of the internet, then yeah, they're going to catch fire. And if your install hasn't got an RCBO or something that's going to trip that fuse, or even if it has got an RCBO, but it's not wired correctly, this is the thing. Some people just put RCBOs in and there may be the anger about it. it keeps going off. We'll just chop the earth out. I don't understand why people would do that, but they do. You'd rather find the fault and fix the fault to make sure it works properly there's no point in putting an rcbo in you might as well put an mcb in or flipping just do what you want because if it's wrong it's wrong and it's not going to work the reason we put these equipment in is because we want to stop people getting hurt we want to stop fires from happening and i think in the electrical industry we're trying to help with all these appliances that people buy or all these dodgy bodgy builders that are out there with the form of surge protection because the the ground, uh, the cable under the ground, yep, that does get surges by lightning and all this solar solar panels going up and all the wind turbines. Obviously, they're they're tapping into the main the main view the main cable in the ground, so they're going to cause surges. So we've got surge protection in our properties now, and we've also got RCBOs that have been around for a long time now because now we're also upgrading to AFDDs. And it's not a requirement in the BS7671 to have AFDDs in all domestic premises just yet. But I reckon it's coming sooner or later. Everything will have to be AFDDs. And that's going to boost up the cost of a consumer unit. You think an AFDD is £100 a piece. And if you've got a 10-way board, that's £1,000 for materials, let alone an electrician to install it. This goes back to the scenario where customers will always take the cheaper option if you explain to them saying yep you can put this in that's 20 pound but this is the one i recommend is 100 pound you've got to be able to explain to them why why that's better to spend that extra 80 pound for that afdd why that's going to protect the circuit better it's going to do a better job so it's down to us as an electrician with the knowledge to know what these afdds or even rcbos or why we're putting in the equipment that we do to protect their property and not be this guy that's just gone to screw fix, picked up a board to yuck, shove that in for you. Unfortunately, there are tradesmen in the industry 
that just do the job to get in there to work. If they work for them five minutes, that's it. That's fine. They've got in the van. They've gone. They've got paid. And that's it. They do the bare minimum. They don't test or anything like that. They're just not really that interested. They want to get the money and get on to the next site because they're charging a, a, a small amount maybe to get this work done. So they've got to do 10 of them a day to be able to earn a decent living. But when it comes to the customer actually has a problem, and they phone the guy up saying, hang about, mate, this is, it's, it's not right. I've maybe got a leak on my roof or the electrics keeps tripping or something like that. Yeah, that cut that, that tradesman, sorry, is not going to answer the phone. They're not interested. Okay, no worries. Ring someone else. Ring someone else to fix it. I've done my bit. I'm too busy. They're not interested to come back. And I know this because it's happened so many times. I've heard it from customers. I hear that same story over and over. Maybe because the customers thought, well, hang about, that guy can do it for 100 quid. We'll let him do it for 100 quid. But when it goes wrong or he's done a rubbish job, he won't come back. It does, he doesn't answer his phone. Or even the worst case scenario, if something goes wrong, like it catches fire. It's not the best way to run a business at all. At the end of the day, customers are the lifeline of your business. And when you do a good job for them, they'll tell their friends and their friends will also ring you. They'll tell their family and their family will, family will also ring you. And your business will grow and grow over time. And as it grows you'll be able to charge more for your services because as I experienced, the busier you got, the more work you had, the more people were phoning you, the, the more calls you had every day, you got too busy. So what do you do? You put your prices up. At the end of the day, you're going to be earning more money for less work because you've got all this work. And then the people that value your time, that value your skills and value your experience and you doing a good job, they're still going to ask you to do the work. There's so many people out there that ring me up at the moment and just go, Ben, don't, don't, give, me, don't give me a quote. Just get the work done. I trust you. Just do it, um, invoice me at the end. And that is what I like. That is what I enjoy. They don't care. I can get the best equipment to put in there and make the job nice and neat. Take my time to get it done nice and neat. There's no rush. There's no budget in effect to get that job done. And these customers, in my experience, they do call you. So, yeah, Ben, he's my electrician, my electrician. They always say that. My, yeah, I use Ben. He's my electrician. Well, this is what people will do to you as well. You're their electrician. You're their sort of friend. And they, a customer's always, they always go back to someone they know and they get along with. Because obviously you think about it. They're leaving you in their house. They're leaving your their life maybe to the extreme in your capable hands to be able to install electric to the house, electric gills. So they want to understand that you're going to do a good job. And if you do one good job, they're no doubt going to have you back again. And they will keep calling you, calling you time after time. Every time they want something doing, to be honest, they're hopefully not calling you because there's a fault. <laughs> and I think customers these days, they are realizing that there is a lot of cowboy builders out there that go in there. They cash is king. They just want to get paid and get gone. And I think these people are sort of fly by night tradesmen. In a way, they've, they've broke away from the company that worked for or the company that they worked for has gone to liquidation, maybe gone under, and they've tried to do it on their own. I think, right, yeah, we're just going to bang it in, make a bit of money, and then go down the pub. And these are not the sort of people that are actually building a business. They're just thinking, right, make some quick money. And they do rip people off, unfortunately. Doing it properly, on the other hand, and doing a good job will obviously help you build your business. 
And like they say, and like everyone says, a good electrician is hard to find. Then they're going to keep your number. And there's less and less young lads coming into the electrical industry, even in the, in the building industry, because they're doing other things. And I don't know, YouTubing and I don't know, whatever. They're doing something different. They're not interested in building a business as an electrician, maybe as a builder. They want to do other things. So there's less and less people coming in. So the more that your reputation grows as an electrician, you're constantly going to be in work to obviously one day where you think, right, I'm going to get an apprentice or I'm going to train them up. I'm going to find someone that wants to actually learn the skills so we can take over my business because you want to look after your customers. A lot of customers, you want to make sure that they get a good job done because they do become friends sometimes. I think the future is very bright for electricians. If you're doing a good job, the future for electricians can only get better and better. And I suppose this goes for any trade. Is survival of the fittest. Don't get involved in with them scenarios where it's a race to the bottom, where you quote for a job, but the customer phones you up and says, hmm, can you knock 500 quid off because this is what the other quote said. No, no, it's not happening. Just give your competitive quote for what you're going to do the work for and stick to it. Don't be knocking things off because as soon as you start doing that, it deteriorates the quality of that work. Maybe you don't think so, in your head, you think, hang about, I've got to save a bit of money on materials here. So, yeah, don't knock any money off. Stick to your guns. Keep quoting. If you take the steps to build a long-lasting business, and then when your business gets bigger and more busy all the time, you'll appreciate having that day off every now and again. And if you listen to this podcast for a little while and you take action on the steps that maybe I've done and what I'm trying to explain in this podcast I've done over the years to build a business, to build my customer base and to keep myself busy and work all the time. Then now those days, they don't really come that often. There's always something to do. So keep Toolbox Talks for Electricians in your ears while you're on site or even walking the dog and have a fantastic day. I'll see you again soon.